Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Always winter, but never Easter. This thought crossed my mind when I woke up on Wednesday morning and Friday morning to a few inches of snow uh, covering the lawn that uh, I thought I might be mowing soon. Despite some bursts of warmth, and today is uh, perhaps going to be a warm day, the weather at this week in in mid-April reinforced a feeling that I've been having that perhaps this season will never end. Maybe I should say seasons. Uh, Will the winter season ever end? Will the COVID-19 season ever end? Will Lent ever end? I mean, I know my Google Calendar tells me that spring arrived on March 19th, even a bit earlier than usual. And my liturgical calendar tells me that Easter indeed arrived last Sunday, uh, the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the vernal equinox, as the canons would have it. But at least for me, the, the weight of the pandemic season if we can call it that, has seemed to kind of cast a pall on all these other seasonal shifts. And the snow just further added to that experience. This Easter is unlike any Easter any of us has ever experienced. Last week, Father Andrew drew our attention to the fact that the Easter of 2020 bears a striking resemblance to the very first Easter. In a podcast I did earlier this week on Tuesday, I ran with this theme to suggest that perhaps we at present might be said to be having an Easter Sunday afternoon experience. That is, although the resurrection had already occurred, the Sunday afternoon disciples had not yet fully experienced that reality. If you think about about the timeline of the day that our gospel reading relates to us this morning, It's, in fact, a rather long day. Early in the morning, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb to find the stone had been rolled away. But as we read today in in verse 19 of John 20, it was not until the evening of that day that Jesus came and revealed himself to the disciples, revealed the reality of the resurrection that had occurred much earlier that previous night. So so the disciples who gathered together in self-isolation on that Sunday afternoon had been left waiting to realize, waiting to embrace the reality of what had already occurred that Sunday morning. And what struck me anew in sitting with these very familiar resurrection stories this year is the amount of waiting that permeates many of them. I think perhaps in in past years, I've tended to focus on the immediate, the the dramatic, the sudden in the resurrection. In an instant, Christ is raised from the dead, his his bursting forth from spiced tomb, as St. Patrick's breastplate has it. Uh, In an instant, we ring our bells and shout, Alleluia, like when the clock strikes 12 on the the first day of the year. He is risen, is is quick off our lips, and once the darkness has turned to light. Our celebrations are instant and punctiliar as we commemorate the moment of the resurrection. And that's all very true, and yet when we survey the phenomenal experience of many of the key players in the narratives of the resurrection, 
Their awareness of the reality of the situation is anything but immediate. Think about Mary Magdalene again. She comes to the tomb early in the morning while it's still dark, before the sun even rises, and she sees that the stone has been taken away, and yet she thinks well, something's amiss. Yet it's not in one instant that she learns the truth. It's not suddenly then and there that she comes to embrace the reality of the resurrection. Rather, she has to wait. She waits by running to tell Peter and John. She waits by running back to the tomb with those two disciples. She waits there in the garden while those two disciples go back to their homes. Verse 12 in John 20, she even has to wait after having seen these two angels. She waits even as she sees Jesus, but thinks he's a gardener. Only finally, after what must have felt like an eternity for her, does she hear her name called and she realizes the reality of the situation. Jesus isn't in the tomb because he's risen. But it, it took a while for her to get there. Or we think about Peter and John, who are part of this scene in the, in the Gospel of John narratives as well. They get this news from Mary Magdalene early in the morning that the, the stone had been rolled away, and they rush to the tomb only to find Jesus not there, as they might have expected. And they have to wait. They have to wait with the other disciples all the way through that Sunday afternoon until the evening before they can have, like Mary Magdalene, a first-hand experience of the risen Christ. And wait they did. Perhaps you might think that the wait Mary and Peter and John and the other disciples experienced was not really all that long. Perhaps we're feeling not like we're having an Easter Sunday afternoon experience, but perhaps we might even be feeling as though we're having a Thomas Easter tide. Poor Thomas, doubting Thomas, the focus of our reading this morning. He has to wait a full eight days to have the chance to see the risen Christ. For whatever reason, he wasn't with the disciples that Easter Sunday evening when the wait of Peter and John and the other disciples came to a close. Rather, it's not until a week later that he was gathered together with them to witness a similar scene as the others had experienced previously, the presence of the risen Christ in their midst. Now, doubting Thomas gets a bad rap in church history, but I don't know, can we really blame the guy? You know, a week later, he was really just in the same position as the other disciples were on that previous Sunday afternoon. Can we blame Thomas for being in that position, the position of waiting? And as soon as he sees what the other disciples saw, he confesses the most fundamental truth of Christianity, that, that Jesus Christ is God, and that he, though once dead, was no longer dead, but is now alive. And so we might see ourselves, perhaps, in the position of these followers of Christ, having to wait, in some sense, to embrace the, the full reality of the resurrection. And I would suggest, in a way that I hadn't noticed before, that, that waiting is as much a part of the gospel accounts of the resurrection as is the dramatic and immediate perspective on the event. And so this theme of waiting, waiting in the midst of resurrection, in the midst of the reality of the resurrection, kind of hits me in, in two ways this season, um, one more immediate and, and one more long term. 
I think immediately, I feel like I can resonate with these disciples' experience of waiting to fully experience the joy and the reality of the resurrection. This long winter season, this long pandemic season, this season of waiting for our parish and our country and our world has drawn on longer than I'm comfortable with, longer than I want. But I think the promise latent in these narratives is that the waiting isn't forever. For Mary at the tomb in the garden, Jesus did come to reveal himself to her. For the Sunday afternoon disciples, evening came, and with it, Jesus appearing to them in that locked room. Even for doubting Thomas, did his week of waiting come to a close, and he was able to see and touch the risen Christ and to proclaim the divinity of Jesus. And so I find some solace that my present waiting in really so many spheres of my life will too come to a close as Christ is more fully revealed in the situations I find myself in. But secondly, these narratives reveal to me a truth about a much longer waiting period that we are in, a waiting for the general resurrection from the dead that is our ultimate hope and, and to which Christ's resurrection points. Our waiting at present speaks to the already but not yet reality of the, Christ, the Christian teaching on the resurrection. Recall that even in this first Easter, there was a not yet interspersed in the already. Even in the presence of the risen Christ, these disciples were still living in an, an in-between time. They were still waiting to be done. There was still some waiting to be done. There was still some work to be done. And this would not draw to a close until they entered into the final rest, the eternal Sabbath of the age to come. Think about our last line in our gospel reading today. Uh, this is verse 30 of chapter 20. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I take it that life, John is referring to here, a theme throughout the Gospel of John, is referring to an eschatological eternal life, the resurrection life that is to come, the consummation of all things that will commence, not with Christ's first coming, not with his resurrection nor his ascension, but with Christ's second coming, which we still await. This is kind of what I think Peter is getting at in our epistle reading this morning. He writes, according to God's great mercy, God has caused, caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Our salvation is in a sense only to be fully revealed in the last time, in the eschaton, in the age to come. This is our living hope that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has brought about already. It's a hope to come in the not yet. And so our present experience in 
Eastertide and in Lent, in ordinary time and at all times, is one that is inherently marked by waiting. As I mentioned in my past experiences of Eastertide, I, I realized that I really emphasized the already of the situation. My focus on the sudden, the instantaneous, the dramatic, led to an emphasis and maybe even an overemphasis on the already of the Christian message of resurrection. And much of that is true. But in this Eastertide, I feel as though I'm being asked, and I wonder if maybe more of us are being asked, to live into that not yet of the message of the resurrection. The not yet reminds us that Christ has been resurrected, but our resurrection is still to come. Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, as our Pascha Nostrum puts it, but we have yet to experience that harvest fully. Those faithful departed of our loved ones are still with us, waiting their own resurrection from the dead. And we too have this hope, but it is hope. We have hope that Christ's resurrection is the guarantee, the proof of our resurrection, but our own resurrection is still future, potentially far into the future. And so we always live into this reality of waiting in this in-between time. And so perhaps it's even an appropriate analogy of the already but not yet of the Christian teaching on resurrection, that we're having a, a Sunday, Easter Sunday afternoon experience, a doubting Thomas Eastertide during this long winter. Amen.